Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, homeschooling mom of two, wife of one, excited that Christmas just passed, but sad that it passed, excited that New Year's is coming, but sad that Christmas is almost over. That means that my time for drinking warm vanilla milk is almost over, but it's going to be okay. It really is going to be okay. World changers. If you have not done so already, please go and pick up a copy of Watch Me Connecting to Your Child Through Play. It is not too late to gift somebody a late Christmas gift. Or if you did not see that person yet and you order a copy, they won't necessarily know that you ordered late and it's still for Christmas. So it's all still exciting. Either way, the book is still exciting. So I want you to go and pick up a copy for yourself or some well-deserving person that you love in this world who would benefit from learning how to connect with their child through play. So world changers, last week, I had an interesting time and a fun time as always talking about hyperlexia with you guys. And if you tuned into that episode, then you are now like the master at understanding at least that there are four different ways that hyperlexia can play out in a little sugar but also that there's so much more information and that you literally have to become Inspector Gadget to figure out what applies to your sugar in relation to this term. And for you guys who are newly tuning in and you're like, what the heck are you talking about? Hyperlexia is the ability to read before the age of two. It's for our little sugars who are out there decoding words and behaving like rock stars as far as reading is concerned. But there's four different ways that it can kind of play out. There are some sugars who are just straight up hyperlexic and they're precocious readers, right? They don't have the formal instruction or nothing like that. And this holds true for all sugars who have the term hyperlexia or they are hyperlexic or early readers. They have not had any formal reading instruction. And so again, some are just precocious readers who are just all about their literacy right? They are about their literature and they're excited about that stuff. There's then the ones who are hyperlexic, but they're gifted. They're savant learners. They are, you know, probably IQ wise above average, not even probably they're going to be above average learners. And then you have the ones who have the diagnosis of autism that comes along with it. Hyperlexia and autism go hand in hand together. There may be some gaps in development with the language milestones or the social milestones. And then the final group is the ones who have autistic-like behaviors, but they are not necessarily autistic. And you don't find out until later down the line because a lot of the early symptoms that are related to autism go away by second grade. Crazy, right? But these are the four categories of hyperlexia and where a sugar may possibly fall. And this is what the research knows at this point. If I'm a guessing woman 20 years from now, they'll know even more about it because that's just how us researchers roll. It's not enough to know enough without knowing a little bit more because we want to be able to pinpoint and understand as much as possible to make the best decisions for our our people that we serve, the sugars that we serve. And so today, I'm going to spend my time debunking myths that come along with hyperlexia because for the people who do have some kind of understanding about hyperlexia, they might assume that 
hyperlexia and giftedness automatically go together or hyperlexia and autism automatically go together. And this may or may not be true, but based on what I just said, now you know that that's not true, but we're going to break that down. So myth one, being an early reader with hyperlexia will help other academic areas. Hmm. So here's the deal. You can have strong cognitive thinking skills, strong academic skills, and strong speaking skills. That's the ability to produce words with poor social interaction. Don't scratch your head on me. You can have strong speaking skills and poor social interactions, right? You can have difficulties relating information to your real life. You can also have difficulties with comprehension. And so for some sugars, right, hyperlexia will definitely help their learning in other areas because it'll be a strength, right? But on the other hand, for some sugars, hyperlexia is just a tool to memorize language, but not necessarily apply it to their world. And so again, it really is based on where your sugar falls. And you can't just make the assumption that everything else is going to be great because every sugar has strengths and weaknesses academically. And it's very rare for a sugar to master everything academically. So that is a myth. Myth two, if my sugar is hyperlexic, I can assume that they're gifted or savant. Wrong. That is not true. Now, what is true is that you can have hyperlexia and you can be gifted and a savant. You can have the two, but you can also be hyperlexic and be gifted and also have autism. Or you can be hyperlexic and have autistic-like characteristics and be gifted. Like it's, oh my gosh, right? All of these things can happen at the same time. Generally speaking, hyperlexia means that sugar has great memory when it comes to recognizing and decoding text and numbers, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that they have the other traits that come along with giftedness or savant syndrome, because in general, with our gifted learners, they really are interested in the word and the word meaning and expanding on those word meanings. And they're not afraid of a challenge, whereas our sugars who are hyperlexic and have poor comprehension, they're not going to necessarily understand the word meaning outside of the context. They're not going to be able to expand upon that meaning. They're only going to stick with the word meaning and go from there. Myth three, it is enough to be able to recognize text patterns. What is a text pattern? A text pattern is simply looking at words that come together and form words. And language itself, written language, is reliant on text patterns because text itself is a symbol. And it's a symbol for a word. When you think about written language, all it is is symbols. Every language has a symbol system associated with being able to interpret the word, interpret the meaning of that word. Every language has that. There's also a number system that comes along with that. And so recognizing text patterns is definitely helpful in understanding how to decode a word. But text patterns also rely heavily upon meaning and memory. Excuse me, not meaning. They rely heavily upon memory. And this is how many children with hyperlexia learn how to read early. They have the ability to memorize these text patterns and recognize them in other words, to decode them in other words, to say them out loud. 
But that doesn't mean that it's synonymous with being able to understand what's being said and have that higher level thinking and reasoning that comes along with reading. We use reading to understand what we're not saying out loud. Think about that. When we're reading something, it's words that we may or may not say out loud that we're trying to convey on paper to be able to understand and interpret that. There's some meaning behind a text. It's not just that symbol or that word. There's something to it, right? And so you also have to extract meaning, not just from the text, but as language gets more complex, written language, that is, through books. You think about when we get into our high school classes and we read the text and the teacher might say to you, what do you think the author was really trying to say? And so a sugar who doesn't have very strong comprehension skills is going to take that for the literal meaning of what the author was trying to say, not pulling out of it. How is the author using language to provide hidden meaning throughout the text? It even happens in songs. It happens in poetry. It happens so many different ways where we take a word and it may or may not necessarily mean the concrete meaning of what we know it to be. And that's how language gets really tricky for our sugars who don't have those comprehension skills. Because if you can't understand that meaning, and then you can't understand across multiple contexts how that word is being used or applied. I hope that makes sense. And that's some pretty high level thinking stuff, but it's also very telling for us world changers because this tells us the importance of making sure while our sugars are young, that they have that foundational understanding. So when they get older, when the higher level thinking and stuff like that comes, they have what they need in order to get to where they need to go. But not being able to comprehend and read, ooh-wee, ooh-wee. So no, it is not enough to rely on text patterns. It can be helpful initially, but we have to make sure that there, again, is comprehension associated with that. Myth four, hyperlexia and dyslexia are the same. Now, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, then you already know I hadn't mentioned nothing about dyslexia last week. The only thing that they have in common is the lexia, and lexia is related to reading. Hyper means advanced or higher level or exceeding ability to read, right? You can read based on a very, very advanced age. And for dyslexia, dys is without. Dys means there's some disorder going on. There's something wonky going on with the ability to decode words and sounds. So hyperlexia is when we have these early reading skills to decode or recognize text, whereas dyslexia is a slowed or disordered pattern of reading development. And so for a sugar that has dyslexia, in most cases, they understand exactly what they're reading. There's no question of comprehension. If you read aloud to them, they know exactly what you're talking about, can extract meaning in most cases, can understand it. It's when they literally look at those words on paper, stuff either gets mixed up, word endings get dropped off. There's something going on with the patterns, how their brain, their visual learning and their brain interprets that information. And so they're definitely not the same thing. And the cold part is for a child who is dyslexic or an adult who is dyslexic, if you point out in many cases their word mistake or say, hey, can you read that again? 
chances are they're probably going to get it right if it's an individual word, but it's something about the connected speech and the patterns that come along with that and the processing of language and reading and reading language. And so they are not the same, but they are both related to reading. Myth five, all children with hyperlexia will or will not have a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. This is not true. I mentioned it time and time again that it's not true. You can have autistic-like symptoms that eventually go away by the second grade, or you can have a diagnosis of autism. It truly depends. And so some sugars may appear aloof with poor social skills, and we may automatically think autism, but you really have to look at that comprehension piece and try to like make these distinctions. And I think here the label becomes a little less important versus understanding your sugar and providing them not only tools at home, but outside tools to help work on areas that need strength and the areas that need support. And it's really, really hard because a lot of times we hear the word autism and most parents are like, I didn't want to have that term or I didn't, I wasn't comfortable getting that term or that label put on my child. I don't want that label associated with my child. But at the end of the day, the core of autism, when we really think about the core of it, it's difficulties relating to the world socially through interactions, by using language with conversational partners, understanding the world around us. And so with or without that label, we still want to provide our sugar with the necessary tools that they need so they can understand the world around them, so they can have empathy. You don't need a diagnosis to want that for your child. And so be very careful with, you know, avoiding the fact that, hey, it might be there. And also under the same umbrella, don't necessarily be upset and say, oh my gosh, everybody, all of the clinicians were wrong. If by second grade, you don't necessarily see those symptoms because a few things hold true. Everyone who has the diagnosis of autism will not need the same therapy. They will not need the same treatment. They will not need the same intervention. Some sugars who have a diagnosis of autism need more intensive support. Some sugars who have a diagnosis of autism needs less intensive support. And so you really have to weed out what it is that your sugar needs in order to relate to the world around them and to have that understanding and that experience because at the end of the day, people need people need people. And so sugar needs to understand how to relate to people in the best way that they know how. And, and when there are sensory things involved, when there's sensory processing involved, when there's dietary difficulties involved, we really want to help them be able to understand and interpret the world. And so to me, keeping those tools away is more of a hindrance than it is a help for sugar with or without the label, right? So if sugar has dietary concerns and there's no resolve there, then that's going to be something that's going to continue to be difficult for them down the line, whereas we can resolve that or at least try to resolve it and help them through that. Myth six, my hyperlexic sugar will always academically perform stronger than their peers. Some may, some may not. Honestly, some may, some may not. So there's a little bit of myth there, but there's a little bit of truth there. Some sugars, again, are hyperlexic 
that are precocious readers who have families who read to them all the time, who have families and resources to where they're able to get opportunities to comprehend what they're reading and expand upon that stuff. And so, yes, they're going to do later. They're going to do better down the line than a sugar who is hyperlexic and kind of left off to themselves and not read too often and only either asked the same kind of questions about concrete information without the expansion or they are kind of left to themselves and because mom and dad aren't having the greatest experiences when trying to read with them, kind of just say, hey, that's their thing. I'm going to leave them alone. So there's all kinds of variation that falls between that. So please know that my two little explanations are possible scenarios, not all the scenarios. And it really is contingent upon the family and the case. It really, really is. And so it doesn't mean that early reading won't be beneficial to them, to all of them. It really matters what we're doing with them during that time and how we're addressing it. Myth seven, my sugar will need therapy because they are hyperlexic. Uh, maybe, maybe this is where your work comes in. Uh, you got to pay attention to some stuff. Is your sugar meeting language milestones? Does your sugar understand and follow through with your directions? Does your sugar have sensory needs impacting their day? How do you know how to follow all this? Well, a wonderful book came out called Watch Me Connecting to Your Child Through Play that, that talks about language milestones and gives you literally a checklist, a word list and all kinds of stuff to help you keep track on their developmental milestones and what's expected at what age, but also when it's time to refer for speech therapy. My school of thought is this. If you are having difficulties with your sugar, understanding language, learning new language, following directions, responding to their name, transitioning, those kinds of things, relating to the world around them, engaging in shared, shared interaction and activities, then my thing is it's probably worth it to see somebody. But I also think that you should, as best as you can, with a fine-tooth comb, understand your sugar. So that way, when you're looking at, let's say, a symptoms list of autism or a symptoms list of language milestones, you're able to check off what is applicable and what's not applicable to your sugar so that way you can make the best decision because one simple label does not define all sugars in this world. It just doesn't because everybody is different. And understanding that variation is going to help you. And even understanding yourself and how you learn is going to help you help them because it, some of what they got came from you and some of what they got came from your parenting partner. And so the more you know, the more you grow. Gosh, that was a horrible pun. Myth eight. <laughs> I should expose my sugar to fewer reading opportunities to stop this behavior. Please don't. Don't, don't, don't. It's just trying to, don't do that. Like allow sugar to read. Just shift the way that you engage. That's all I want you to do. Shift the way that you engage with sugar. Try to inject yourself into the picture if they're sluggish, letting you become a part of things. Ask open-ended questions. Think abstract not concrete. It's the difference between Picasso, right? Your more abstract painting and Crayola, Sharina's paintings, right? <laughs> it's going to be very, very house, bush, car, sun, clouds, very concrete stuff, right? 
You want sugar to share in these conversational exchanges and experiences. Conversational exchanges and experiences, Picasso, abstract. Very, what is this? What is that? Crayola, no depth. So you want to stay away from that. You don't want to stop avoiding reading opportunities because literacy and reading is just, there's too many benefits. It's too many benefits. But kind of changing things around and how you do things, how you engage, what information you're trying to get out of them, understanding who they are, man, please go for it. Please go for it. World changers, I said it last week and I'm gonna say it again this week. For you world changers who are questioning whether or not your sugar has hyperlexia, this information that I'm giving you guys, it is simply the beginning of the road to learning. Like it really is a lifelong It's a lifelong experience, learning your sugar, learning how they learn, learning characteristics and traits. That's a lifelong thing. Like I homeschool and I'm still learning stuff about my sugars and we're together all the time. And there's always something new to learn because guess what? Just like we grow and change, they grow and change. Things evolve. And so I just want you guys to get intentional through connecting, through paying attention, through growing learning about them and just doing everything that you need to do to make the best decisions for their lives and for your relationship that'll last for the long haul. And just be willing to know what you know and be cool with what you know, but also be good with what you don't know and find information. And within all of that, just keep taking five to seven minutes a day to just play to interact, to pay attention, even to observe what's really going on with them because it makes a difference. And if you have any questions related to this episode or any past episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to me by email at questions that I've got this or on my socials, which are all in the links below. Also, if you haven't purchased a copy of Watch Me Connecting to Your Child Through Play, please go ahead and gift yourself for somebody else because man, It's the gift that keeps on giving. Like, I can't think of a better gift to give somebody than the ability to take play, interaction, and development in the driver's seat and really learning and knowing what to expect for their sugar. And I also want you to post a picture on your uh, socials and tag me and tell me what you tried and rate the book. You can even take a picture of you and sugar in action. I want to see all of that stuff take place and make sure to rate the book from the vendor you purchased it from. Also, I didn't say this last episode, but it was available last episode. Resources are available to you below. Not only where I found this stuff, but also stuff for you, online resources, parent resources to look at savant syndrome, to look more into giftedness, books for you to consider. Because again, by knowing, by applying, by observing, by understanding, only then can we be empowered to make the best decisions for ourselves and for our sugars. And until then, world changers, we are on break until 2022. I'm excited, but not excited. Like I'm excited for the break, but I'm not excited. You know, excited, not excited. But I want you to keep up with me on my socials or on my website for things to come because we've got a lot of cool things in store for 2022 that I'm really looking forward to. So world changers, Be safe. Merry Christmas again. I know it's two days past, but still Merry Christmas. Be safe. Happy New Year's to you and your family. Be blessed. 
Until the next time, y'all, take care.